This is Box to Box with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgley. Oh, what a goal! For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. Absolutely fantastic! Hello and welcome to Box to Box, the show that is everything football on Macquarie Radio NTS News Talk Sport. You're with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgeley. First edition news in a minute. We're without Mark Van Aken. He's gone down with a lurgy, but Dino is here and he's going to join us for most of the show as we go. But as the clock continues to tick towards the World Cup in Russia next year, that very country is, of course, hosting the Confederations Cup where the Socceroos have had a mixed week, a flattering 3-2 loss to Demandschaft earlier in the week and a point against Cameroon in the early hours of Friday morning keeps their slim hopes of a semi-final berth alive. On the ground in Russia, in St. Petersburg, is the Guardian's Kieran Pender. We'll talk to him shortly to get a sense of the feeling in the squad. Then Eugene Galekovic as he returns to his hometown to play for Melbourne City in the coming A-League season. It's still a few months away, but there'll be plenty of expectation on the citizens in the 2017-18 season. We're going to find out a bit more from the inside with Eugene before we wrap up the opening hour. Of course, continuing our review of the A-League season with our man Dean Hennessy. In the second hour, we'll kick off with a special edition of Second Edition News. Aaron Zoanetti is on the ground as well in St. Petersburg with the Green and Gold Army. So if you're interested in travelling to the World Cup in Russia next year, make sure you tune into that because Aaron's going to give us some background on what it's like to travel in Russia, the security, the stadium experience. So, yeah, tune into that and you'll you'll get a whole background on, on what it's like uh, over there in Russia with Aaron Zoanetti from the Green and Gold Army. Then the Sydney Morning Herald's Peter Fitzsimons, an unusual guest for Box to Box, perhaps not when you consider his takedown of FIFA hot on the heels of the gushing announcement of the federal government and the FFA that Australia would be bidding for the 2023 Women's World Cup. Peter has a contrary view with FIFA and not quite as confident that they're as squeaky clean as the government seems to think they are. That chat is going to be very interesting. Then Dino to talk through all the international news and we'll talk in detail about the Confederations Cup, other results outside the Socceroos. We'll wrap it up with stoppage time as we always do. Edge this past week, we've been on the edge of our seats, mate. Uh, we're worried about the Socceroos. We're being you know, assured by Ange that he's got the system right, but we're not really seeing the results on the park. Well, I think um, objectively, if you had have, uh, thought about the games against uh, Germany and Cameroon a-, a week ago, you would have expected us to be beaten by Germany and that uh, we would have been some chance against Cameroon. Second string Germany, though. Yeah, look, you say it's a second-string Germany, but uh, when you look through that team, albeit they're very young, um, they're all playing at some super clubs. But but it is a second-string Germany. I mean, there's no doubt about it. And I, you know, clearly you're right. I mean, they they they're world-class players on the rise, and Joachim Lowe is just, uh, you know, if not the best, um, he's in the grand final for the best uh, managers in the world. Yeah, uh, but let's call it for what it is. They're the world champions, and we're ranked sort of 40 in the world. So I think. Mm. Um, it was a flattering score, but I, I don't want to get uh, too bogged down in the negativity of, of, of the results and how the Socceroos uh, system and all that sort of stuff. Mm. Um, f- for those of it, it's been a long day, hasn't it? Because, uh, you know, if you've done what I've done, which is effectively the double header, watching uh, both games and not having much sleep on about to the fifth coffee. So <laughs> if I stumble the odd word or two, you'll, you'll understand what I mean. But for me, um, it was a tremendous game against Cam- Cameroon. It was tournament football. It was end-to-end stuff. It was high pressure. And if you watched the Brazil game and you watched the Cameroon game, 
and even the German game, you, you understand what tournament football, how different it is and how exciting it is. And I, and I, uh, I think that as a, as a football person and uh, somebody who follows the Socceroos closely and, and as involved as all of us are, they, they, they were good against Cameroon and, and we should give them a big tick and, and they're back onto the path to, to where they need to be. So I think it was pretty exciting and it was, uh, albeit uh, disappointing to, to have a draw, we shouldn't be too downcast. And on that note... I want to welcome Dean Hennessy, who's deputising for Mark Van Aken, who's um, under the weather. We're not going to get Dean out of read the news. No, no, I'm going to I'm going to do the news bit. <laughs> yeah, you can I say hello. Prefer and, not to. <laughs> and just get, get his uh, get his top thought top of the top of the mind thoughts on the Cameroon match. Yeah, look, it's um, I think I agree with all, all the sentiments you made there about you know we we go back a long way with regards to uh, exhibition games, let's call them. Yeah. And, and they don't mean anything. I mean, yeah, it's great on the eye, you know, with Argentina and Brazil there and you're packing an MCG, but it's like a it's like an entertainment package. Whereas when you go into tournament football, you know, it, it's it's meaningful. It's qualification and, and you've got an, an ability to win something. And players will react as, as coaches will react, you know, the same way. Like if, if you look at the game when we broke it down for Ange with regards to the starting lineup against Brazil, I mean, <laughs> you know, two of your best players only come on in the last 10 minutes. So you can see that he was purely just using that as a vehicle to get his players game time for this tournament. And, you know, it was a great game. And um, for me, you know, we'll always know the difference between tournament football and an exhibition football. Well, speaking of the, the exhibition football, um, although it hasn't been announced um right off the top, well it hasn't been officially announced Melbourne's in the box seat to host the final uh, Socceroos World Cup qualifier against Thailand, mm. which will be a must win game regardless of the result uh, of the Socceroos match against the Blue Samurai in, in Tokyo, so uh, that's been slated for Amy Park a good result, great pitch small facility, rectangular stadium, pack it out Awesome experience, awesome uh, atmosphere. I think it's absolutely sure a great Amy decision. Park, I mean, I love Amy Park. I've been there a million times uh, for all sorts of uh, codes, whether it's football, uh, rugby league, rugby union. Um, it's just one of the best venues in Australia. But uh, but what if it if, if everything's hanging on that game? We you know we it, it's what the a final ticket. game. What a hot yeah. ticket to have. Absolutely, I, I'm a bit concerned. It sort of reminds me of that grand final a couple of years ago where the FFA were uh, were, were sort of locked out of every other stadium and uh, and you probably no, no, miss twenty or thirty thousand. I think that's people. not right. I'm going to take you on here, Rob, because uh, in my view it's a good decision because uh, the the administration needs to understand that the boys need a good pitch to play on, but also uh, having a rectangular stadium and the fans close to the pitch and the atmosphere electric is going to be important because we'll need to score goals that night. Well, I think you've, you've hit the nail on the head there, Edge, because the, the atmosphere, if you go back to the Melbourne Victory Sydney FC grand final, where Sydney were touted as favourites, had an unbelievable season and Victory turned them over 3-0 in the final. The atmosphere at that game is the best I've seen in an Australian stadium. Even beats things when we went to the World Cup when we yeah, qualified. What about, what, what about the grand final this year, mate? You uh, you said that, that stadium, uh, Allianz Stadium was was a brilliant atmosphere. It was, it was, but it it didn't. It really, for even like the noise there, it still mm. didn't um, replicate what we saw. That uh, Amy, that was unbelievable. When the whole Victory fans that were all singing on the same song. 
it was electric and it just kept going and going. I'm thinking this is just like it's in Europe. So Absolutely. for me, it's a great stadium and I think this could be a really big advantage. Now, speaking of Amy Amy Stadium in Melbourne, or Amy, uh, Amy Stadium as it is, um, one of their co-tenants in the A-League, Melbourne City, have a new coach. Mm. And his name's Warren Joyce. And uh, he comes from a long line of um, experience in the development pathway, really not too much experience as a senior coach. But what did you make of that appointment, Dino? Oh, look, I think it's an interesting one. Um, you know, he's he's... He's been at Manchester United, uh, I think, eight seasons. He was the reserves manager. Um, and he's obviously seen a lot of the talent that's gone through that organisation. Um, I, look, I think it's quite bold. I think this is there's maybe a little message in here. This is where Melbourne City wants to start developing local talent. And, you know, who's better with the credentials that he's got? And, and he has got managerial experience and he's been around many, many good managers and will have learnt a lot along the journey. Well, they've got their return already uh, selling Aaron Moy, so um, they're in profit these days. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, one more player and they'll be making a bumper. They it? certainly will. What about um, some news on our uh, some of our goalkeepers? Obviously, last week we reported that Matt Ryan had uh, been signed by Brighton and Hove Albion and he'll be taking his spot in the English Premier League. But what about... Uh, uh, Danny, Danny Vukovic, uh, straight out of uh, winning the title with Sydney FC, he's off to replace Matt Ryan at KRC Genk in the Belgium top flight. Uh, that's an interesting uh, move for Danny, but but well deserved. That's a good sign for Danny too, because it obviously means his family life, his young boys, uh, in better health, and uh, and he can pursue his career. And uh, our next guest, uh, oh not our next guest, um, but later in the show, Eugene Galekovic, uh, who who Danny displaced as the Australian um, goalkeeper represented in the Socceroos team, will have a, a few uh, uh, questions for him about what it's it's like, um, you know, in that Socceroos squad, and, and interested in his opinion on Danny Vukovic. But uh, it's great for our stoppers, isn't it? That uh, you know. We've always managed to produce world-class keepers, do you know? And no, we've had re- you know we've got a really good uh, history in the goalkeeping department, and uh, I think our goalkeepers now are as good as, uh, as well. It's been proven that you know Brighton have broke the bank to, to get him on board, and uh, good luck to him and all the other goalkeepers who were applying their trade both home and abroad. Well, Tommy Orr, who went to uh, the World Cup in Brazil with the Socceroos, played a, a fairly pivotal role there, um, has been out of the national team setup for quite a while, and. And I'd say, um, based on his recent uh, decision to go and play football in the Greek uh, first division with a Cypriot club, mm. uh, for me, is a bit of a question mark as to why you would do he's, that. He's bounced around a lot, Tommy. Or has yeah, he? So I know he's followed a coach that he that he. Um, I know he's followed a coach that he's worked with previously. Mario Van Bean. Yeah, who he's mm. he's very close to. But um, Apel, um, it's a club that. Uh, doesn't ring the, ring the bells as being a, a, a top flight destination, Dino? No, well, if you remember, we had Tommy on, uh, I we think did. it was the, earlier, he, earlier in the when year, he was when he was at Ipswich. Ipswich yeah. And uh, you know, I think it was an FA Cup replay he was going to play in, but then really after that didn't really feature and then, you know, has to come home for domestic. And that's always a concern wherever you go on these European or anywhere around the world, you want to be playing regularly. You know, and I think that's... Uh, really Achilles heel for Australian internationals as well. They've got to be playing week in, week out. Yeah, absolutely. Look, there's plenty of other news that we won't have time to get through. Melbourne Victory defender Nick Ansel signed a two-year deal with the Portuguese club. Adelaide United signed Mario Kurtz to a two-year contract as head coach. That's a story we'll be pursuing. Plenty more. Uh, Jose Mourinho with the Spanish tax pr- prosecutors on his case. Uh, you know, James Holland's put his China troubles behind him. He's agreed to a return to the Austrian Bundesliga. So, so much more news and, uh, and, and we're going to get through that uh, over the course of the next few weeks because a lot of these stories 
these really need to be flashed out in a little bit more detail. But uh, we're looking forward to a story after the break. Kieran Pender, Australia, over there in Russia. He's in St Petersburg. He's been to the Cameroon game. Uh, it was uh, yeah, a point well earned, hard earned, but uh, probably not the the uh, result that we wanted, or definitely not the result we wanted. So stick around because Kieran Pender from The Guardian, he's going to talk to us next about that uh, game, uh, Cameroon, and that one coming up against Chile. That's next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? The Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Yes, this is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport. Now, Australia, big expectations going into the Confederations Cup. And after... uh, you know, a flattering start against Germany. We got back on track against Cameroon. Unfortunately, couldn't quite get the result. But uh, on the ground over there in Russia is Kieran Pender from The Guardian. We're very grateful for his time. Kieran, thanks for joining us on Box to Box. Thanks for having me on. So, mate, uh, look, th- those of uh, the pundits who expected Australia to go out and just win this game were clearly uh, deluded in some senses that... Uh, uh, you know, the Cameroons ranked 32 in the world to our 48. They would have uh, had exactly the same ideas themselves. So so uh, a, a serviceable result given where we were coming from after, first of all, the Brazil-friendly back home and then uh, and then what was a flattering result against Germany. Yeah, still a respectable result for Andrew's side. Uh, and a really entertaining game, it must be said. It was very open, attacking end-to-end stuff. Uh, and either side could have won it. Cameroon had more chances. Uh, Australia had more possession. I think a draw was a fair result, but one that suits neither team. Uh, Australia now need to progress to the semi-finals. Australia would need to beat Chile uh, on on early Monday morning Australian time by two goals. Mm-hmm and hope that Cameroon don't beat Germany. So that's a pretty tall ask. It is. I think the best outcome we could probably hope for is uh, is something maybe similar to the uh, the World Cup match in uh, in Brazil uh, a couple of years ago. If we if we perform the way we did there, then then Angers guys will yeah, be disappointed that they didn't progress, but at least happy that they're they're back on track and and ready for Japan. Yeah, certainly. And you know that, that going out perhaps with a draw to Chile, or, or if not, at least a respectable loss. Not a terrible performance uh, across the tournament. You know, a win against Cameroon, who are ranked uh, about 20 spots above us on the FIFA rankings and, and won the African Cup of Nations uh, in February, that's not a terrible result. Mm. But I don't think it's, it's quite what the Australian public were looking for. And it doesn't bode all that well going into crunch qualifiers uh, for the World Cup in uh, August and, and early September. And I'm quite glad I'm over here at the moment because I think there's a real risk uh, after these two showings that Australia won't qualify for the World Cup mm. and this will be the only opportunity for Australian fans to see their team play in Russia. Well, let's hope that's not the case, Kieran. We've obviously uh, got our fingers crossed for a big match in Japan on August 31. But uh, let's go back to the Cameroon game. It, uh, it's fresh in our minds. Obviously, you were there. Um, I thought it was a highly entertaining game, and I thought that uh, the Cameroons probably had the better chances in front of goal but didn't capitalise. Is that the way you saw it? Yeah, that's right. Uh, Cameroon had something like 16 or 18 shots on goal to five for the Australians, although most of the Cameroon shots on goal uh, did not hit the target. They were they were wide. And, uh, Australia were probably the better team in the first maybe 35, 40 minutes. Uh, they controlled the ball well. They made some nice movement. 
Matthew Leckie had a really good chance. He probably also should have been given a penalty um, when he was dragged down in the box by uh, Vincent uh, Abubakar. But then Cameroon just found their rhythm, and they, I think they started to, to emerge towards the midway point of the first half, and then really, in the last 10 minutes, Cameroon were creating all of the pressure. And I was hoping that Australia were going to see it out, and it looked as if they were. Um, and then literally as the, the fourth official put up uh, the, the sign for one minute of extra time, Cameroon scored. Um, and so Australia goes into the break then, you know, looking fairly crestfallen. Thankfully, probably a fairly stern team talk from Ange Postacoglu sees them come out really well in the second half. And uh, uh, Alex Gerbash, who was probably the best player for the Socceroos and is also the youngest player in the team and was only called up for the squad after Brad Smith pulled out with injury, he was dragged down in the box and won a penalty in about the 60th minute, uh, which Captain uh, Milligan converted with ease. So... Uh, you know, a respectable performance, but neither team is going to be all that satisfied. Alex Gerbash, you mentioned him in uh, in dispatches there. Uh, he was outstanding and uh, really did uh, justify his inclusion in the starting eleven. Exactly. So he was playing a really difficult role uh, on the left uh, wing back position, which in this new you know, system that Ange is playing with a back three and, and two wing backs. A few other players have found really difficult, um, uh, and particularly um, as is Bayic uh, against Germany. Obviously, Germany is a tough opposition, but he really struggled. So for Gersbach to come in, as I said, the youngest player in the squad, he was on holidays just a month ago um, when he was this late call-up. I thought he excelled, uh, and it's really promising. He was probably the brightest spark, uh, made some nice marauding runs, won the penalty, and, and I hope that he retains his spot uh, against Chile. This is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport. We're talking to the Guardian's Kieran Pender on the ground in Russia at the Confederations Cup. Now, just uh, reflecting on some of the observations of some of our competition going into that game against Cameroon, Kieran, it seems that Joachim Lowe was uh, complimentary of the new Socceroo style, but uh, Hugo Bruce, as you mentioned in one of your articles, was perhaps watching some of the old archive footage of uh, of the national side when he, he referred to us as a Route 1 team and uh, Ange Postacoglu that he's, uh, he's getting uh, whacked from uh, every corner and uh, I don't think he expected it from the, the Belgian coach of Cameroon mate No and he didn't take that too kindly, he hit back with quite the burn in the pre-match press conference um, by suggesting that well uh, Joachim Lowe from Germany had said one thing Hugo Bruce said another and one of them had won a World Cup and one of them hadn't so that was all to it mm. uh, <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, I wonder where you know Hugo Bross is getting his research from because Australia hasn't played like that for a while. But conversely, I was actually quite impressed. Ange told me that uh, the FFA had a number of people at the African Cup of Nations watching the teams, you know, because obviously at that stage Australia already knew that they were playing the AFCON champions. Um, the FFA aren't known for their preparedness in such matters, so I think for them to go to that effort... Um, is quite impressive, and it's a pity that didn't pay off with a win. Yeah, exactly. And given that um, you know, if, uh, if Bruce was uh, taking the uh, the Mickey out of of Postacoglu and just having a little uh, mind game before the match, or whether he really did know the um, the team uh, that he put on the park seemed not to care because uh, you know the way they played obviously was in their own style, and you know they're a flamboyant 
country as many, or if not most, of the African countries are, and uh, they um, they could easily be um, one of the danger sides in in Russia next year when when the actual World Cup comes around. Yeah, exactly. And Bruce was quite disappointed in the post-match press conference. As I said, Cameroon recorded 19 shots to the Socceroos' five. And when that was put to him, uh, he said, well, the statistics say everything. He said, I think we should have won the game today. Over the 90 minutes, we were the best team and we had the better chances. I think that's probably a little too strong. I think they were perhaps on balance slightly better than the Socceroos, but I don't think a draw flattered uh, either side. And what about Ange's, uh, Ange Postacoglu's remarks after the game, Kieran? How did you... How did you assess his uh, demeanour and uh, whether he was satisfied or, or disappointed? Sure. Uh, Andrew's had some interesting press conferences while I've been here. I've been on the, the receiving end of a few uh, daggers from Ange, uh, whereas tonight he was fairly quiet, fairly um, limited in his responses. He had lots of praise for Gersbach. He... Uh, complimented um, a few of the other players. Uh, he, in general, he was quite positive about how they had played. Um, uh, he said, well, you know, we're still in it. Uh, you know, it was good to him that the Chile game is now a must-win, and even that might not be good enough. And he said, well, we'll do the best we can, and hopefully the results go our way. So, you know, I was hoping for perhaps something a bit more uh, outgoing from Ange, you know, there's now, if we're going to qualify for the semi-finals, a big task ahead, and then beyond that, a very big task going to Japan and getting a result to qualify for the World Cup. So, uh, you know, I was hoping for something more, um, but it was fairly reserved in his comments. Hey, Kieran, one final question before we go. Uh, we've focused solely on the Socceroos so far, but uh, the broader Confederations Cup, um, what's your selection for the finals, mate? How do you think it's going to roll for um, the, uh, the semis and then, uh, and then the ultimate winner? Portugal have looked good so far. Uh, New Zealand sadly won't be making it, although they looked quite strong in part against Mexico. Strong in every sense of the word against Mexico, mate, throwing uh, fisties against headbutts. Yeah, exactly, strong in every respect. Um, They were poised for an upset and sadly couldn't pull it off. Um, The home side, Russia, has, has really performed fairly poorly, which is continuing a run over the last few years where they've just not stepped up. Um, and, and failed to repeat, you know, they were once a very good side. Um, so I think in that group, Portugal is, is the obvious favourite, um, and particularly after Mexico almost lost to New Zealand. I'm not sure if they'll be making it through the final. In our group, it's really wide open. Uh, following the draw after the Australian game, there was the same result in Chile versus Germany. All four of the teams can still qualify. In theory, if the results go... Uh, the right way, either Australia or Cameroon could both could qualify, mm. although I'm not sure if they could both. That's some complicated math that's a bit past me at, uh, at midnight in Russia. Um, but I think you know most people would expect Germany and Chile to go through uh, and then one of those sides to make the final. I'd say Chile will probably a little bit better. The German side is very young and inexperienced, whereas Chile have a number of international star players, Alexis Sanchez, Claudio Bravo, etc. Mm-hmm. So I'd expect to see perhaps a, a Portugal-Chile final um, in St. Petersburg, which will be really exciting. It's a mm-hmm. really nice new stadium they've built there, about 70,000 people. Not a whole lot turned up tonight, but I'm hoping that'll be full and, and, and pack the rafters and, and we'll get a really good grand final. To what's been 
you know, it's often derided the Confederations Cup, but it's actually been a really good tournament so far. Excellent. And Kieran, uh, mate, um, you've been privileged to be there in St. Petersburg watching and, uh, and we'll enjoy the rest of the uh, the tournament, mate, and uh, and hopefully what will be a, a magnificent final and a, and a great preview to what, what will hopefully be a World Cup with Australia participating in it. I hope you're wrong. We all hope you're wrong there, mate, with your prediction uh, next year. We can but hope, and I'm <laughs> certainly hoping that Ange can pull it off because I'd like to come back. Exactly. <laughs> Good on you, Kieran. Thank you. Stick around after the break. Eugene Galekovich. Box to box. Can you believe it? For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Eugene Galekovic was a foundation player with the Melbourne Victory before he headed off to Adelaide United where he won everything the competition had to offer. In the 2017-18 season, he'll return to his hometown to hopefully help Melbourne City to achieve on some of the massive expectation of a club backed by one of the biggest sporting organisations in the world. Welcome to Box to Box, Eugene. Thanks for me. Yeah, thank you for coming on the show, mate. It's been a great career so far, and uh, it's got several years left to run, mate. But um, but you've just done everything the domestic games had to offer. You've been to World Cups for the Socceroos, been capped eight times, mate. Um, uh, it's exciting to be coming home, no doubt. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, and I still want to achieve a lot more. I think um, you know, winning winning uh, trophies with Melbourne City will be also something special. Done with uh, Melbourne Victory at Adelaide United, so hopefully uh, I can do it with one more club. And telling us, uh, you know, as you move to the new club, what, what have you seen so far about this organisation? We uh, we see and hear what a professional outfit they are. Um, they haven't achieved the expectation apart from winning the FFA Cup uh, uh, in the last season. There's uh, There's been a lot of talk about where this club's going to go, but uh, but yet to, to see it materialise on the park. Yeah, I think it's definitely getting closer. Like last year, you said that they won the FFA Cup, so... Um, they've won their first trophy, and um, the aim is now to, to win it, uh, to win more trophies this season. So, um, you know, they've got a club culture where there's no excuses for the players. Uh, we kind of have everything at our disposal, so um, it's up to us now to, to change things and win some trophies. Eugene, I must ask you to reflect on your time at Adelaide. You had a special relationship with the club and the fans. You must have um, been uh, touched to, to have a look at the social media during the weekend um, and just see uh, the fans and how they responded uh, with their with their messages of thank you for the time that you spent in Adelaide. Yeah, I had a, you know over ten years. I had, I had some great times and um, special moments in winning some trophies. And from day one, the fans have been fantastic. Um, you know, I said before, you know, coming from a rival, sometimes you know you, you have to work hard to get the respect of the fans. And um, you know, the, you know, obviously they they, um, they supported me from day one, which which helped a lot. So. You know, I could have done it without them, and um, you know they're a special group over there. So you have to say thank you. So what do you, what do you think the reception will be like when you're uh, potentially in the sticks at Hindmarsh uh, first time next year? Do you think they'll uh, be as accommodating for you? <laughs> Who knows? I'm not sure. Um, you know, it could be it could go one way or the other. So um, you know, I understand. You know, I'm, a, I'm at a different club now, so they have to support their own team, and I understand if there's going to be some doing, but that, you know that's understandable. We just have to do the best for my new team and uh, yeah and then hopefully beat them <laughs> Speaking of your new team they've got a new coach and he's come a long way he's come from uh, the old dart what can you tell us about Warren Joyce um, albeit you've probably only been uh, with him a few times but uh, what do you know about him to date and how have you found him? Yeah he's been good I think it's been one of my hardest pre-seasons I've done in a long time so um, the boys will definitely be fit uh, you know come round one so um, you know we're doing a lot of fitness um, a lot of passing drills 
and um, yeah, so far it's been enjoyable, and uh, you know we've still got a few more months of it, so a lot, to, a lot of pre-season uh, ahead of us. This is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport. We're talking to former Adelaide United stopper and New Melbourne City goalkeeper Eugene Galekovic, a real star in the Australian sporting constellation and, uh, and a, a foundation player of the A-League, one of the great names in the A-League coming back home to Melbourne now. Mate, um, who's caught your eye? Who should we keep an eye out for? Uh, yes, as Edge said, it's only been a little while, but uh, who, who are you seeing that you're expecting some big things from in the, in the coming season? Oh, you know, I think our whole squad is, um, you know, up there in terms of uh, in terms of quality. I think um, we just don't have 11 quality players. I think there's a good 17, 18 quality players that, um, you know, coming off the bench that they can make a difference. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's going to be a team, massive team effort. Um, you know, you look at the past couple of years and, you know, you look at Sydney FC, they had Ninkovic, but... You know, it was based on on the whole team, how they worked together and how, how hard they worked. The year before was Adelaide, I think, it was uh, very similar in terms of, uh, you know, the players, um, you know, the starting 11 of the season, no one made it, but the whole team really worked together to, to achieve something. So I think, um, you know, if we're going to achieve something, it has to be the whole group. It can't be just one or two players. So, yeah, I, w- I won't mention it. Oh, <laughs> come on, Eugene. That's what I was just going to press you on, mate. You've got to give us a little bit more than that. You can't say the whole squad. There's got to be one or two blokes that have signed. I mean, some of That's the... you're uh, just getting to know him, Rob. I know, but he's a, you know, he's got a, a seasoned eye. He knows what he's looking out for, you know. it's. Uh, I'll say uh, I'll say Bruce Camus is looking uh, fitter than ever. He's beating everyone in all the uh, running trials and stuff like that. So he, he's looking... You're old Adelaide up. United team, mate. You're, you know, looking after him, aren't you, Bruce? <laughs> all right, well, at least, at least you gave us one. Uh, Eugene, Matt Winley from the Herald Sun, the little paper. Welcome back to Melbourne. You know the Herald Sun rules the roost most of the time. He's anointed you as the number one uh, at uh, Melbourne City for the starting, uh, the first match in uh, the Hyundai A-League this year. What do you reckon Dean Bazanis will uh, will say about that? Oh, it's a long pre-season. You know, I'm not, I haven't come here to be guaranteed the number one spot or, you know, he hasn't either, so... Um, you know, I can guarantee you the coach is looking at the whole pre-season, which goes for three to four months, and whoever's in the best form will get the gig. Um, you know, and we, we just have to work as hard as we can um, and, and, you know, tr- try to make the manager p- pick uh, myself, and he would be doing the same. Um, you know, he'll be working as hard as he can to, um, you know, get the gig himself. So, um, and I think that's for all positions. I think if you look at our squad, like I said, um, there's kind of almost two players to every position, so... Um, everyone's fighting hard and um, a, a long time to go before that, that even happens. Uh, Dean Hennessy here, Eugene. Ho- hope you're well. Um, just a quick one. The the difference between, you know, going into a new group, you know, obviously being at Adelaide for quite a while, uh, the facilities and all what comes with Melbourne City, is it quite a, a distance away from most A-League clubs that you've seen? Yeah, for sure. It, it's impressive. Uh, you know, when I did my medical, um, they, they showed me around and now I'm day to day living it, so it's at a different, completely, uh, you know, it's a different level altogether, and uh, you know, it probably rivals uh, some AFL clubs in terms. of Obviously, not as big because uh, you know, that our, you know, our squads are a lot smaller, but in terms of quality, um, you know, definitely rivals some. So, um, coming from Adelaide, where where I spent ten years, um, you know, it, it's, it's at a different level, but um, you know, some, some clubs can compete, some clubs can't. So. Um, like I said, for players, there's, there's no excuses. We we have all these little one, two percenters that um, should, we should use to try to benefit us. 
Now, we all know that goalkeepers uh, last the test of time. Uh, us outfield players very rarely get into high or mid-30s. But with goalkeepers, it just seems very, very different that uh, goalkeepers all around the world, you know, at the top end, always seem to go and last a, lot, a long, long time. How's your body shaping up now? And how many years, you, you know, have you signed just a one or is it a two plus uh, um, for, for, for the, with the Melbourne City? Yeah, I've a couple of years. Um, yeah, my body's in um, you know good shape. Um, this whole week, I've trained um, the keepers. Are pretty much trained as, as players, and we've done all the running. So, um, trying to keep up, it's it's difficult. Obviously, <laughs> our aerobic fitness is a little bit different, but um, you know, it's getting just the base fitness and um, trying to keep up with the players. Uh, you know, in the running drills and stuff like that. So, it, it's a good base fitness, and soon we'll probably start doing some goalkeeping, um, which will be good as well. So. Uh, all good so far and hopefully continues. So when the club gave you the tour of the new facilities, did they give you a broader tour of Bandura, Eugene? Have they taken you across to the Latrobe University Agora? And uh, I mean, it's a, it's a long way from Adelaide, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, you know, in Melbourne, I'm living uh, you know, on the other side of the city, so um, I haven't seen too much of the area. Um, we've had a team lunch down in Bandura um, around the corner and that. But um, yeah, no, it's... Um, you know, it is. Um, it's in Bandura, and it's, it's quite a good area. So, um, the facilities are the main thing. We come to training, and then the boys are motivated to train because uh, we know. No, it's a special facility. There's no doubt about that. Hey, Dan, uh, Eugene, before we let you go, um, mate, uh, Danny Vukovic displaced you as the, the resident A-League keeper um, with with the Socceroos. Clearly, you've still got aspirations and, and hopes to, to make that World Cup squad. Danny's um, now signed up with a Belgian uh, club, so he's uh, not going to be in Australia anymore. So your aspirations for the Socceroos, mate, what do you hear from Ange? Um, what's your position in that, that whole scheme of things? Yeah, I'm not too sure. Obviously, the three keepers that are in um, in Russia now are the three main. My, my aim is just to do well for my club, and um, you know, then, then things go from there. I think um, if my club performs well, makes finals, does well, um, and, I, and and I perform, then and then you know, you kind of give yourself a chance. But I'm not really. My focus is not there. It's just trying to do the best for my club, and the rest will take care of itself. It usually does. Eugene Galekovic, thank you for joining us on Box to Box. Good luck with your move to Melbourne City, mate. We really do hope that club can uh, can step it up because uh, you know we've talked uh, long and hard, as a lot of people uh, in the game have spoken, that Melbourne City really needs to to step up as uh, as the not only just the genuine rival for victory, because you know we always see sellout derby matches uh, when they. Uh, that those two teams play, but we need to see you know, bigger crowds at Amy Park for City, and uh, and wins equal bigger crowds, and um, and results equal bigger crowds. So so good luck. We we all hope to see that uh, in the coming season. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Next up, Dino's going to stick around. We're going to talk more A League. We're going to go through his review in a little bit more detail of the A League season past. All next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe? For Chemist Warehouse, home of real brands and real savings, and Storage King, they're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. This is his box to box on NTS and News Talk Sport. Now it's time to talk A League with our man Dean Hennessy. We're also going to chat about the Association of Australian Football Clubs in a media release that was uh, uh, released only a couple of days ago with Dino, our man, as the Victorian delegate. But before we get into that. When your little bundle of joy is not joyful, you know something might be wrong. 
If it's a fever, turn to Nurofen for children three months plus. It relieves the four symptoms of cold and flu, specifically fever, headaches, sore throats and body aches. Perfect at this time of year with these chilly mornings and cold Sounds days. Sounds like Mark Van Aken needs a bit of that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and he's a, a bit of a baby, isn't he? He's so, a bit of a baby. Do you yeah. reckon they'd have, um, he could double the dose for for uh, use a bit of the children's stuff because yeah. he's, he acts like a child. Do you reckon the Nurofen children's dosage would, uh, would would help settle him down a bit? I think it would. He's a bit soft. A it's bit good fella. to see a lot of love for Big Marco. Oh, well, he's not we, here, we mate. We do so miss him. We've got yeah. his back. Couldn't, couldn't handle watching nice all, all the Football Confederations Cup during the week. And Lightweight. <laughs> so if you want relief for up to eight hours, Mark Van Aken, if you're listening... Change pain time to playtime with Nurofen for children three months plus 100 mils for only 16.99 at Chemist Warehouse. Always read the label. Use only as directed. If symptoms persist, consult your healthcare professional. Chemist Warehouse lowest prices guaranteed. <laughs> well, Marco would um, definitely have some of that in the cupboard, uh, and he probably has a regular track to Chemist Warehouse to get it because young Luca, mm. um, if he's anything like his dad, he, I mean. Mark's only got to uh, walk past someone who sneezes and he catches a cold. <laughs> if, so if Luke is anything like his daddy, he'll need a bit of that urinurus and stuff. Good, to, good luck to you, big fella. We'll look forward to seeing you next week. Now, Dino, um, the Association of Australian Football Clubs, this is a real red-letter day for uh, for the um, 110 NPL clubs uh, who will next month hold its inaugural AGM where members are expected to ratify the organisation's new constitution and new directors formally representing each of the federations. And we're very proud that, um, that Dean, um, you've been nominated by the state of Victoria as the uh, uh, the director for the Victorian Confederation, mate. Um, that must be, uh, uh, you know, well, it certainly is a wonderful moment in, in your football career, but um, more importantly, um, you've got a, a lot of thoughts on this game, a lot of experience in this game and um, and we're hoping that as you represent um, the uh, the southern state of Victoria in, in this environment that um, it's, a, it's a real influential seat at the table. Yeah, look, I'm really looking forward to, to certainly being involved. Um, whoever was going to be the representative, whether it's in Victoria or all nationally, I think there's a lot of people in this game that really want the game to go forward um, and, and hopefully as a group, uh, you know, we've got some really strong candidates from each state that have uh, put their hand up to say yeah let's 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 try and work as a, a group we're a pure a, a, and you know when they say it's a national body it is you know each state is represented by one representative so again we'll and everyone's got a different version of events in their state you know the the game isn't certainly with the NPL clubs they're not all played at the same level in regards to the number of teams number of divisions so I think there's a lot of work ahead of us for all of us, uh, but I think I think the one thing that's been really good from the outset that we've been together from the start, and and I think as long as we stay together and stick together, hopefully we can hopefully force a change uh, for the betterment of football in this country. Dino, um, if you had to choose three priorities for this group, what would they be? Well, I think there's obviously the AFC and FIFA themselves are obviously desperate for you know a promotion and relegation situation so the expansion one of the, and the eight... fans are desperate with that too so yeah, that's, that's think, number one I think it? that's number one so B League and eventual promotion relegation yeah I think so I think that that's most probably 
high on the list and that's not just from this body but this is from you know from up the top from FIFA and AFC um, but I, again I don't think that's going to be just an overnight flick of a switch either there's a, there's a lot to, to contemplate on how you, do you expand that A League over how many years what does it look like how many teams what does a B League look like what happens then to the NPL clubs What does because that would then become like say call it the third tier so I think there's a lot a lot of work ahead of us uh, mm. but I'm confident that if we get some really good minds and people who've been in the game and know the game and love this game um, and there's a lot of good intellect out there and I'm not certainly professing to be the one for that but certainly you know, if I don't know something I'm not going to just go out there and guess I'm going to go and get experts in to help us to go down the right path and Dino, Dominic Bossi has written an article headlined FIFA threatens to replace FA, FFA board as Congress crisis grows. So this is in the Fairfax newspapers you know, right now. And, uh, and we, as we know from the, the early stages of the AAFC um, being founded, that, um, that you do have the voice of FIFA and FIFA are watching this very carefully. So they will be looking at this AGM. And, uh, and as this uh, crisis, uh, it's been described uh, as... Uh, uh, continues that um, that the success of the AAFC and and its um, ability to to move forward on some of these issues is going to be uh, a, a critical point um, for the FFA as much as it is for the NPL clubs. Well, it, it, it's like anything any, anywhere in the world. You know, the the, the fo- footballing body of that particular country has to be strong and has to have the direction that you know. And again, you, you know, sometimes you have to play hardball on certain aspects of the game but I think if we all work together and I'm again not regarding to Dominic so I'm not actually read that article but irrespective of that I think if the FFA and the people like AAFC work together there's no reason why we can't get this game and and, and for the betterment for everybody and I think you know that's not just for men that's also for women and, and, and really growing this game the way I believe we can do and and certainly, you know, um, I'm not looking for anyone to, to leave or go away. I'm, I think we should all work together and work really hard together to get it right. Well, good luck, Dino. We're, we're in your corner and we'll be watching it uh, closely as you navigate through that and uh, represent Victoria and uh, the broader 110 uh, NPL clubs and uh, semi-professional clubs around Australia well. Good luck with that. But uh, let's turn our attention now to... Uh, the A-League and uh, some more um, transfers and comings and goings. Yeah, look, I mean, just uh, just on uh, Sydney FC, obviously Danny's uh, left, but Paolo Retre, uh, ex-Melbourne City's, uh, joined uh, Sydney FC, which is good for him, so well done. Uh, Avram Papadopoulos and Michael Theo have re-signed at Brisbane Raw. Ben Kennedy, uh, Central Coast Mariners, uh, ex-Newcastle uh, Jets goalkeeper. Um, Scott Jameson uh, lurking around Western Sydney Wanderers again, possibly, so that would be a great addition back to back to the A-League. And obviously we've touched on Nick Ansell. Uh, I did actually coach him when he was a kid, so go back a long way with Nick. So good luck to Nick on his venture. And obviously, uh, welcome aboard to Warren Joyce, uh, the Melbourne City um, new manager. And also, obviously, with Eugene as well. You know, I think he is the first signing of this this, uh, postseason or preseason, rather. But look, the focus, I know we're we're, we're tight with time, but... um, I think one of the biggest um, stories this year has been Western Sydney, uh, sorry, Wellington Phoenix and, and, and what they've changed, you know, uh, both on the park and off the park. I mean, a lot of outs, Raleigh Bonavarcha to Wanderers, Shane Smeltz over, overseas, Jacob Tratt at release, Ben Lipfin playing here at Bentley Greens in the NPL and Glenn Moss to the Jets. And also then, just as as of last week, mm. um, Costa Barbarousas back to victory. Um mm. 
no no particular ins at the moment. So really, it's really the new manager. They uh, have a huge huge task to rebuild that team. They do. They? Yeah. they do. They do. And. Uh, I mean, obviously, Luis, uh, Luis Italiano uh, came to Melbourne to play in the NPL for Bulleen. Done really, really well. Turned their season around. And, you know, on the back of that, he's got a one-year deal. And as it stands, he's going to be the number one goalkeeper this year. Um, so that that's good for Luis. I, and I remember coaching against Lewis when he first came over the first time, uh, I think when he went to Oakley. So he's a good goalkeeper and good luck to Lewis. I think But you're quite right, I think. There's going to be a rebuild, but we've got, obviously, Rado there as well now. And we obviously know Rado from days at Melbourne Victory and also Sydney FC, but also mainly Brisbane, Brisbane yeah, you know. Yeah. So got a wealth of knowledge, uh, very highly thought of around the game. And, and I'm sure he'll be a real good tonic for the new manager. I think probably the biggest loss they've had is Roly uh, Bonavaccio, who um, I think is a very exciting He's player. Real, I'd love to watch him. Really good energy, sign yeah. for Western Sydney Wanderers. No, look, I think he is a good sign. And, uh, and I think, look, that, I mean, we don't know a lot about the manager, but I know, you know, he had a really glittering career, played over 800 league games, but also uh, has managed in Holland against some of the big boys. So I think he comes with a wealth of experience and, you know, we wish him all the luck. And, uh, and I'm sure Wellington, you know, if they get the right signings, uh, can hopefully do well. And they've got a marquee up their sleeve now that Costa Barbarousas has, has departed. So Guy Finkler is the other marquee there. So so an opportunity now to, um, to, to, go and to get somebody, somebody else. Yeah, somebody that's going to really most, most probably not one bums on seats, but also get results. Yeah, absolutely. That's what they need to do. And we need to see Wellington do well. I mean, we've watched uh, New Zealand, uh, you know, perform uh, above expectations in the Confederations Club. Uh, they, uh, you know, they're there, one of eight teams as we are as well. So that's um, that's what we need to see with New Zealand. So stick around after the break. The Sydney Morning Herald's Peter Fitzsimons on his article questioning the decision to return to FIFA this time for the 2023 Women's World Cup. Dino returns with everything going on in the international game and stoppage time. That's all coming up next on Box to Box. Now, this is Box to Box with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgley. Oh, what a goal! For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. Absolutely fantastic! Welcome back to Box to Box, a special edition of Second Edition News, shortly with Aaron Zoanetti live from St. Petersburg to tell us what it's like touring in Russia at the Confederations Cup. Then we'll chat to the Sydney Morning Herald's Peter Fitzsimons on his article questioning the decision to return to FIFA this time for the Women's 2023 World Cup bid. And, of course, Dino returns with everything going on in the international game and we'll wrap it up with stoppage time. But, Aaron, you're over there in St. Petersburg, mate. Welcome to the show. Hi, guys. How are you? Yeah, really good, mate. So, you're, uh, you know, we declare our uh, our interests here. We're uh, partnered with the Green and Gold Army, of course, on Box to Box, and uh, and you're heading up the travelling uh, party over there. How many people have you got with you uh, taking around uh, Russia for this uh, Confederations Cup, mate? Yeah, we've got a small group that's come across to the Confederations Cup, um, about a van full. Um, and, uh, yeah, we've been on the road now for um, six or seven days. Uh, and everyone's having a good time. We've uh, been welcomed warmly in Russia. Um, the weather, it's summer here, but the weather's not too hot, but um, the warmth of the locals has made up for it. But uh, perhaps not the performances on the park to date. No, absolutely, mate. We'll get to the football in a moment. But uh, for those of our listeners who are, who are tuning in and, uh, and you know crossing their fingers, as we all are, that the Socceroos are going to qualify for the World Cup and might be considering going... You know, as a tourist destination, Russia might not necessarily be, uh, you know, on the uh, the bucket list for a lot of people. But it, it's a, a fascinating place with an incredible history. So to see that history amidst uh, watching football uh, 
uh, must be a bit of a treat. Yeah, for sure. And uh, the, the feedback that we've received consistently from the guests who have travelled over is that um, the reality is far from the perception. So mm. people have a perception of what Russia is. Um, and when you get here, it's completely different. So, um, yeah, there's lots to see and do in terms of um, very recent history and, and some uh, a little bit further back. Plenty of sites to see, um, mm. like any European destination. Um, and then there's some, some uniqueness um, about Russia that you can't get anywhere else, which we've been able to uh, live up and to um, experience along with the football. And we're talking to in St. Petersburg right now after the, the Cameroon game. It, it is one of the great cities of the world, St. Petersburg. I haven't been there myself, but uh, as a student of history, it's one place I'd love to go. It is, and, and today we went to uh, the, the fortress and saw the um, resting place of the last Tsars, um, tomorrow we're off to the Summer Palace to do a tour of the Summer Palace and, and the, the Hermitage, which was their um, Winter Palace, which hosts the world's largest uh, museum collection. Um, and it, it feels like anywhere in Europe. Um, it's, it's very well developed. It's got canals. You could be you could be anywhere in Europe, but um, we're definitely in Russia. Now, Aaron, um, tell us a little bit about Moscow. You, you've been to Moscow prior to Sochi, um, and I understand uh, the group uh, were pretty thrilled by uh, the the old Soviet Russian bunker. Yeah, we went uh, into a Soviet Russian bunker, bunker number two. Um, there's a few others that are uh, um, top secret still, uh, and the bunker we visited is, uh, well, yeah, I, I suppose it still is nuclear proof. So we went down there and, and saw how. Um, ever, it, how it was geared up to prepare for um, nuclear war with the United States and how 600 people were positioned um, in that bunker for the entire Cuba um, missile crisis. Uh, they were locked down and, and, and the bunker was actually active for 30 years, 600 people rotating in and out. So we went down there, which was a bit of a highlight to, to see that and to see how the world came to almost the brink of nuclear war. Um, and that was uh, a tour that was in conjunction with the tour of Red Square and the Kremlin, um, seeing sort of uh, where Vladimir does his work and also the, the famous St. Basil's Cathedral in Red Square. Well, so you went from the the historic, um, you know, Im- impressiveness of Moscow, uh, which is an, an amazing city, to the newness of Sochi. Now, that must have been a bit weird. Sochi is weird. Um, it's... I suppose how I uh, describe it is something like Dubai. It, it, it kind of feels like these fantasy lands popped out of nowhere. Mm. Um, there's history there. It was a resort uh, where the Russians holidayed um, during the Soviet era, and then it was forgotten about for 20 years, and then all of a sudden the Winter Olympics pops up in a subtropical climate, um, and they've just pumped in um, literally billions of dollars to develop it into a modern resort town. It's not... Um, yeah, look, it's an interesting place. Um, I kind of, you know, I enjoyed being there, and I think the guests enjoyed being there. But um, there's plenty of better beaches in Australia, and I'm sure. sure there's better places to ski in Europe. This is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport. We're talking to the Green and Gold Army's Aaron Zoanetti on tour in Russia, in St. Petersburg, at the Confederations Cup, mate. Now the football experience, um, the Sochi Stadium. Uh, it's uh, as you say, it's weird, but from what we see and read, the it's got this sort of theme park atmosphere around it almost uh, that uh, that's just unlike any stadium anywhere in the world. Yeah, well, there's, there's literally a theme park uh, just outside of it, uh, so a big roller coaster, um, a Disney type castle. 
Um, look, we were in, at St. Petersburg today and that really did feel like you were going to, um, well, this is Confederations Cup, but a, an international football event where mm. Sochi, for me, was a bit flat. Yeah. Um, but today, St. Petersburg, that stadium was, um, you know, a very good quality World Cup stadium, um, fantastic stadium, actually. And, and even though it was only half filled, had a much better atmosphere than it did Sochi. Yeah, and, uh, and, and in terms of... Um the, uh, the the experience of a World Cup, of course, only eight nations competing, and uh, you know Sochi will be a very different place during the World Cup when there's uh, four teams uh, playing in, in any particular group. So you'll have uh, the diverse nations of, of whichever groups happen to be scheduled there, as will be throughout all the other stadiums around the world. So uh, in terms of World Cup experiences, um, it's going to be a special one. And security, mate, it's always a big question. Um, we, we need to, to get through that. Uh, what's your sense of security on the ground in terms of the Russian response? Clearly, they'll be using this as a test run for, for next year. Yeah, the, the level of security is nothing. I've been to the past three World Cups and the level of security here is um, definitely a level above and a bit more. So um, I've never been felt up uh, quite so closely as, as I have been Enjoy here. Yourself, mate. Um, I'm sure you have, Aaron. Uh, I'm sorry? I said I'm sure you have. Oh, I'm sure I have, in, but n- never walking into a football field. Um, maybe some other places, but uh, um, bags through the conveyor belt, uh, walking through the airport security, um, you actually have to show that your mobile phone's switched on. I'm not sure what that's for, but um, I'm sure there's a reason for that. Um, and uh, there's this new thing called the fan ID, which um, you actually have to scan along with your ticket um, to get into the stadium. So everyone needs to, to have a fan ID issued to them. Um, and if you don't have that, even if you have a ticket, well, you're not getting into the stadium. Now, speaking of the fan ID, it's a new addition and uh, a pretty good one, in, in my view. Uh, for the listeners around Australia who uh, may not be aware, um, the fan ID doubles as a visa to enter Russia, in, enter and leave Russia. And that is a big plus because um, people like you and I, Aaron, who've uh, been to Russia previously, um, the, the visa application process is quite arduous and uh, having to pack the passport away to consulates and uh, wait for weeks for it to return can be a bit of a bit of a, a, a pest but uh, in this case it's a matter of playing, applying online for a fan ID and, and then that uh, in electronic form or actually in hard form should you receive it before you travel doubles as your visa which is a real plus isn't it? Oh it's a huge plus um, yeah that visa application form I think we had to list every country we've visited in the last 10 years which um, for, for most people who travel, travel often that's impossible um, so with this yeah it's a simple uh, process of uh, giving your FIFA ticket confirmation, um, sending in a photo on your name, and uh, they send you an electronic fan ID, which gets you into the country. Um, and it's, it's very simple, easy process. Um, probably, well, it is easier than um, the process that we had to go through to um, get to Brazil for Australian travellers going to the Pass World Cup. And um, really is, um, I suppose, uh, for, for this period, for the Confederations Cup and the World Cup, an ideal time to visit um, because the um, bureaucratic nightmare that uh, is involved with visa applications goes away. Hey, Aaron, this has been fantastic, mate, because, uh, you know, obviously our program is uh, is targeting that uh, group of people who are just passionate football fans and uh, many of them will be seriously thinking about going to Russia. I want to pose a question to Edge right now, though. If, if you're listening out there, what's the process to get involved and how do you express your interest if you if you want to travel next year? Um, assuming, of course, that uh, yeah, well, you can go regardless of whether the Socceroos make it, it'll be a great World Cup, but uh, crossing the fingers, of course, that uh, our, our boys will be there. Well, it's really simple. All you need to do is to go to uh, uh, GG 
gggarmy.com or our dedicated travel site, which is ggatravel.com.au, uh, and then register interest for Russia. We're actually not too far away from launching our um, our packages uh, uh, for the World Cup, which will be an absolutely amazing experience. I mean, for those people who know about the Green and Gold Army, we've taken uh, large numbers of people to the South Africa and Brazil World Cups, which have been an awesome experience, but this will be one completely different and uh, you know, Russia being so closely prox- in prox- approximation to Europe, it'll have uh, probably a similar type of atmosphere and feel to Germany, but um, but in a uniquely Russia way. And, and as Aaron has described, the culture and history of, of Russia makes it a outstanding destination to combine your love and passion of the Socceroos and that major event experience with a, a tourism highlight uh, on your bucket list. Would you agree, Aaron? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Um, look, everyone who's over here is having an amazing time. As I said, the... Um, Perception um, is far different to the reality, and everyone's expectations have been, uh, you know, far, far, far exceeded. So, um, if you're interested in going to a World Cup, I'd suggest that the the one, the next one in Russia is the ideal one to um, attend because who knows what's going to happen with Qatar, um, and this destination is is just amazing. So, um, yeah. Get onto the the GG Army website, register your interest, and uh, we look forward to seeing you here in Russia, hopefully next year, should we qualify. And of course, Aaron, uh, we still have just a few packages, only a few left for Japan on August 31. So you can go to uh, Japan for the weekend and see the Socceroos uh, in what is going to be the most uh, critical World Cup qualification match uh, on our road to Russia. That's right. We need a draw, um, and we need everyone over there to help... Uh, support the boys and to get them over the line. So, yeah, there's, a, there's well, I'm, I'm, I think it's only a couple of rooms that we've got left, but, um, yeah, it's going to be a great trip over to Japan, another fantastic destination, Tokyo, and once again, you know, sampling the best of the destination and, uh, and the Socceroos at the same time. Beautiful, Aaron. That is uh, a great wrap-up of Russia and, uh, and opportunities to travel. And, of course, uh, as we've declared our interest, box to box is uh, a joint uh, collaboration between Macquarie Media and the Green and Gold Army, of course. So uh, we declare our interest there. But we do have a, a fairly uh, confident suspicion that many of our listeners are interested in the topic of World Cups, etc. So, uh, yes, it is a football program. I think they are. Good on you, Aaron. Safe travelling, mate. Enjoy the rest of the tournament. Thanks, guys. Hopefully we get a result against Chile and uh, we can continue the journey in Russia. Absolutely, mate. Stick around. Next up, it's going to be an interesting chat. We've got Peter Fitzsimons, the former Wallaby, uh, acknowledged media commentator, brilliant writer on so many different subjects. But he wrote an article only a week ago about the Women's 2023 World Cup bid and was particularly scathing about uh, FIFA. He's not the first person to have done that. So stick around. We're going to talk to Peter next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? The Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Yes, this is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgeley. When Peter Fitzsimons takes the long handle to an issue with his typically acerbic wit, he rarely misses the bullseye. And his article summing up the wisdom in going back to FIFA to bid for the 2023 Women's World Cup last week was no different. Peter, welcome to Box to Box. Thank you for having me. I'm having a lovely time. I'm glad to hear you're having a lovely time, as are we, mate. But uh, hopefully um, the FFA will be having a lovelier time than they did last time, mate. Uh, look, you, you, you summed it up in your article for anyone who, who didn't read it. Um, it it's uh, it's pretty obvious the points that you make, uh, that um, that Gianni Infantino, is he just a uh, cut from a, a, the same cloth but a different cat than uh, than Sepp Blatter was? Uh, <laughs> 
I don't I don't pretend to any expertise on FIFA and where FIFA's up to, but I just say that the experience of the Australian taxpayer last time was, you know, in 2010, $45 million was put forward to our national humiliation. So you put it towards lobbying an organisation that after they, after they put everything, you know, weighed everything up in the balance, Australia on the one hand and Qatar on the other. Let's see, Australia's got a national population of 25 million, favoured destination for tourists around the world, infrastructure, temperate climate, stable political, and we've got Qatar. Uh, you know, it, hot, hot as 54 degrees on a hot summer's day, no infrastructure to speak of, not a favourite destination for tourists. Australia gets one vote, Qatar wins. And you just say, well, look, if, you, if you're holding a ballot like that, mm. if you're an organisation that you're on the up and up, you cannot come out with a result like that where things are rinky-dink. So mm. I say, seven years later, enough already. Let's not put any more money. And so what the government did, I think they put a million dollars up, up to five million if they if they think things are going our way to win the 2023 World Cup. And this is not against women's sport. This is the hallmark year. 2017 will be looked back upon the year that it all turned around for women's sport in Australia. You've got the mm. AFL women surging. Soccer's, soccer's going really well. Women, Even women's rugby, mm. you know, garnered a lot of attention. Well, that was more last year. The Sevens women's in, in, the, in, in Rio again was fantastic. So things are going their way. But it's, it's a reflection of just not dealing with FIFA, saying you mm. don't have a track record that you're a reputable organisation we want to put our money to. Yeah, and as you make uh, the point um, towards the end of your article, Peter, you're not suggesting that uh, the money shouldn't be spent on women's sport, you know, double it, triple it, quadruple it, as you say, uh, you know, there won't be any complaints from anyone. It's just a matter of uh, of, of spending it on, on proper development rather than the, uh, yeah, the fat cats. I, I, and I would say particularly junior females, you know, like really if you can get... If you can put money into junior sport, build fields, build build ovals, provide development offices in whatever sport you, you choose, but get young girls involved. And I mean, the terrific thing now, particularly I cite the, the AFL women's comp. You know, I, I, somebody was telling me yesterday how there's just been an explosion of junior clubs of young women that want to play. And that is that is a wonderful thing. And the point for me, you know, if the government puts a million to that or 10 million to that or 100 million to that, it is a guaranteed return. I mean, you just the, the health benefits for a staff, the community benefits, absolute mm. guaranteed return. Putting $5 million to FIFA, I mean, you count your fingers as you came out after shaking their hand. Peter, uh, it's Michael Edgley here. Um, when I spoke to a few of my football colleagues uh, in preparation for, for this interview, they asked me, you should ask Peter about the fact of um, is boycotting the whole FIFA process and not actually being a part of... Um, an activity that that can help reform it, the way to go. So if we just sit on the sidelines and we don't uh, put our uh, this was the argument that of Tim Hughes for going to South Africa back in the back in the early 80s. You know, when people like me were saying no dealing, no dice, no dice with South Africa, while they have a political process that allocates political rights according to skin pigmentation. And Tim Hughes and those who those who wanted to break the boycott um, of apartheid would say no, 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 we've got to go over there to change it. Look. You know, I, I don't. I think, with the greatest respect to your mates, um, you should have talked to some of your, your, your. Well, well, no, let me take that back. <laughs> you, you, um, with the greatest respect to your mates, I think it's naive to think that Australia is going to change FIFA. And what I was amused by was was Greg Hunt saying, "No, we've we've taken advice and FIFA's FIFA's, FIFA's cleaned up its act." Well, not not according to the Guardian, hasn't they? They listed those things. Of what was it? Somebody who's the secretary of something something was found to have had 
spent twenty four thousand pounds on her cleaners last year, that and then when it was brought to her attention, she said, "She said, oh yes, I've I've, I've cleaned this up. I hadn't I hadn't noticed." And, and you know, there's endless endless stuff that comes out of FIFA. It's not a democratic, transparent organisation, and and I think you know, I'm thinking we're going to reform FIFA, and I just, I just think that that you know, I, I I may be proven wrong on this. By the way, back in nineteen ninety two, I wrote a thunderous piece about the horror of Australia bidding for the the Olympic Games. And I said, if you think that, you know, people in Sydney are ever going to jump up and down in excitement that we'll win the Olympic Games, you're kidding. We're, first up, we're not going to win it. Second up, if we did win it, we wouldn't be excited. Well, I was dead wrong on both counts. And it was it was one of the great events in Australia. So they called me the kiss of death. I may have called it wrong. But my primary point is, it is naive to think we'll get any anywhere with FIFA. And I just, I just don't like, after the absolute humiliation we, we were rendered by FIFA last time, going back to them and playing nice. This is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport. We're talking to Peter Fitzsimons about his article in the Fairfax Press about Australia's bid for the 2023 Women's World Cup. And that lady you mentioned, Fatma Samora, the woman who The Guardian reported a fortnight ago was in charge of FIFA's Internal Austerity Commission. Uh, yes, uh, obviously her own bookkeeping uh, it needs a little bit of attention given that uh, she wasn't aware that £22,000 of FIFA's money was being spent cleaning her home five times a week. That's a lot less than Jerome Volker was... Uh, accused or and, and some say proven of uh, stealing but that's no in no way is that a uh, an endorsement uh, of her by the way <laughs> may i raise another quick point i noticed that you refer to soccer as football i mean i know this is a can of worms but can i just make a quick point <laughs> yes if, if you had an afl ball in the corner yes. and you had a rugby union ball and a uh, soccer ball and a rugby league ball what would be the correct way, if I wanted somebody to pick up the soccer ball, what would be the correct way in Australia, the easiest way to say, can you pick up the soccer ball? Well, can I put it to you? The, the, if, you said, <laughs> if you said pick up the football, that would be a hopeless terminology to use. If you yeah. say pick up the soccer ball... You, you are picking a fight here, Peter. <laughs> no, no. Well, no, Peter, no, well, Peter, no, Peter no, knows no, the no. game of, uh, of the Wallabies was uh, was uh, was started at rugby school by a young man uh, called Will, William Webellis who did mm. pick up that very football, didn't he, Peter? Indeed, but my point is that you know there are those the purists who say football, football, football. But mm. I just say in a, in, a, in a country that has four football codes mm. and an established terminology, yeah. to insist on the using the word football when we have four football codes, I say a tad troublesome. He's an antagonist, isn't he, Edge? Well, I think there's... That, I mean, Peter, you're not going to get away with that one because um, the world calls it football. But having said that, my mother, uh, when I uh, when she says to me, what are you doing on the weekend? I suppose you're going to the soccer. That's a reference to the fact that I grew up in a household when I was a kid playing soccer that you did. You went off and played soccer. So it is a generational we thing. We are called the Socceroos, the national soccer. Uh, it, is a generation, it is a generational thing, Peter, here in Australia. The, the what, younger what generation... What is wrong with the word soccer? What is wrong with the word? Well, I personally don't think there's anything wrong with it, but, but I do understand that there is a new generation of football people and and fans who who are uh, enamoured by the term football that it is a representative of the of the global game it's an acceptance of the global game and, and all that it offers in Australia so you know there's I think we can agree to disagree on that one but I do want to ask you one more question um, in relation to to this what, what do you say to the very fine women 
who have who've put the Matildas right at the top of the pile. They're in the top four or five in the world now, uh, and that hosting a World Cup for women's football in Australia would turbocharge the sport significantly. And in, in, importantly, there is a uh, emerging uh, generation of young Matildas that uh, the the track watchers and the experts say are going to be even better than the current Matildas. It's very simple. I would say to them, hi, how are you? Hope you're well. Welcome to the Australian Republic movement. We believe that, we believe that Australia can be, can be a people of our own. But, but I wouldn't be hanging my head around those women because what I've said is not disrespectful to them or their sport. It, it, it's, not, it's not a non sequitur to say me saying let's mm. not deal with FIFA is not a slap in the face to those women. I'm saying by all means put the money to those women. Put the money to but hosting, the money to but hosting on home soil a World Cup, Peter, there'd be nothing greater but for them. I agree. I totally agree. Hosting the World Cup in 2023 would be fantastic. So would be so. so it'd be even better if we could host the men's World Cup. That would be even better. But in the real world, dealing with an organisation like that, with so many power factions, so many so many games played, when we've been burnt so badly last time is a waste of our time, a waste of our energy and a lack of dignity on our part. We got a huge smack from them in 2010 and now we're going we're going back to the cap in hand. Can we play again? What next? Next thing you're going to tell me, we're going to have the Queen of England as our head of state. We'll reserve the top left-hand corner of our flag <laughs> for the flag happened. of another nation. No. When will this humiliation end? Hey, I'll I, wait. I think you're talking to some Republicans in this room, mate. Hey, a uh, question without notice before we wrap it up, mate. Um, you've transformed your life and your health, um, and uh, we've got a, a huge um, audience out there that um, that could afford to, to listen to that message, mate. So just a quick observation on, on uh, you know your campaign, and oh, you're a real private. crusader. Oh, well, I got I played test football at 114 kilos. I married my wife, Lisa, who you know from the Today Show. Well, you you do anyway, because yes. your brother, brother Tim's on the Today Show. I married her at 126 kilos 25 years ago, and about five years ago I got to 152 kilos, and I'm now down to 112. And I haven't gone on a diet. I've changed my diet, and that's mm. the, the key thing. And, you know, there's, all, there's endless bullshit written about this diet and that diet and Scarborough and South Beach and protein and Atkins and God knows what, Jenny Craig, and then rip out 85% of your tummy. All of that crap it goes on and on and on. It's very bloody simple. Stop the sugar, okay? Mm. Stop the processed food. Go back to whole food. You stop feeling hungry. The weight falls off you. And the other thing is stop the grog. Mm. So I totally stopped the grog. I totally, I've more, not totally stopped the sugar, but, but just about totally stopped the sugar. I haven't had a soft drink in five years for a start. Mm. I mean, show me somebody drinking soft drink. I'll say somebody who's got the, hasn't got the uh, fucking clue about, about, about health. Seriously, I mean, and like commercial fruit juice is exactly the same. Yeah. So basically stop the sugar, stop the grog, and you'll, you'll feel 10 years younger, better marriage, everything. Yeah, good on you, mate. That's uh, it's a great message to uh, to everyone. It is an awesome message, and you might just get to live another twenty years. Yeah, don't forget. Uh, I think Peter, uh, I'm actually going to the uh, Republican movement's uh, dinner oh, down in, in Melbourne soon. Um, why don't you give That's that a plug? The 29th of July, we've got Bill Shorten addressing us on the pathway to the Republic at the Royal Exhibition Building. Students can come for fifty bucks. Everybody else, or unless you're a pensioner, um, one hundred and eighty bucks. But it's going to be. We're going to have about a thousand people there. Where can you get the It'll tickets, Pete? Uh, just Google Australian Republic movement. It's going to be the biggest gathering of Republicans in Australia since the Eureka Stockade. <laughs> on you. 
Thank you. Peter Fitzsimons, one of the great uh, media commentators in this country, one of the great authors. Uh, if you're into your military history, get a hold of one of Peter. And he wants to call it soccer, not football. Ah, well, mate, he's an antagonist. We know that. No, nah, it was good. It was good discussion. Absolutely, it was. Stick around after the break. Dino's going to be back with all the international news. Box to box. Can you believe it? For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial... This is Box to Box on NTS News. Talk sports streaming on digital radio on a number of apps, including radio app, including TuneIn Radio, any app you like to listen to your radio on, and, of course, on our podcast, box2boxnts.com.au. Now, Dino's back to talk about Europe, but before we talk Europe, Dino, it's still June. There's about uh, 10 days or so to go, and uh, if you're looking for storage, you really need to get down to Storage King right now because this is one of the months of the year where it's the opportunity for somebody to get into storage, get a month free at any Storage King around Australia, just... Dial 1-800-STORAGE or go to storageking.com.au to find your nearest Storage King outlet. They are all over Australia, as we say. They're the biggest storage facilities in Australia, the the biggest storage network of self-storage around the country. And, uh, look, if you've tried storage in the past, Storage King is clearly the number one option. But if you're a person out there, whether you're in business and you need to get some space... If you're at home and you're selling and you need to declutter, well, the kids are just growing up and some of their stuff is uh, is just, um, you know, taking up too much room in the house. You need to get down to Storage King, don't you, Dana? No, you certainly do. Uh, great organisation, great supporter of the show. And, uh, yeah, for all you uh, listeners out there, uh, get some of the stories down there and... Uh and clean up your house. That's it. So while you've got the chance, before the month is over, call Storage King, 1-800-STORAGE-KING or storageking.com.au. Now, Dino, we've been talking Confederations Cup at length so far on the program. We've talked to Kieran Pender from The Guardian about the game itself. We've had a chat to Aaron Zoanetti. But let's just broaden our horizons a little more. Uh, Kieran gave us a few observations on some of the better performances. But uh, what have you picked the eyes out of in terms of uh, you know uh, looking at the World Cup next year? I mean, I, I just like Portugal coming off the back of that uh, Euro win. They're motoring along nicely. Cristiano Ronaldo's performing. You know, I mean, he just keeps... Can only beat Russia 1-0, Rob? What are you talking about? Right, that's all you've got to do. you just got to win and get the points and playing a team at home who have major expectations on them, beating them 1-0 is a good result, Edge. It's interesting, um, and, and you see a lot on social media and, and the perception about how ex-internationals, ex-players, everyone's got an opinion on this. And, and, I mean, for me, it's great because we are talking about football and we're talking about our national team. Um, I think sometimes that we have to be a bit more level-headed to, to understand that most of the players that we have aren't playing at the top level. You know, we've got, I think, some wonderful players and when you put them in a green and gold shirt, they go out and generally perform and they perform to the best of their ability. Um, friendlies, I don't take anything in that, so just let's just ignore that because friendlies are just friendlies. It's, a, it's, it's just better having a train. It's like a training run. When they come to tournaments, they're going to go there and apply themselves. And, you know, as much as the Germany game first half and then they came and climbed back in it a little bit in the second half and then the performance, you know, um, on the, what well, I suppose it was very early uh, Friday, our time, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's it's a draw. Yeah, could have won, had some ch- chances to win the game. But I think sometimes we have to just reflect where where we are. Mm. And we've got a lot of lads who are playing in that squad that don't play regularly. And certainly if they're not playing regularly, they're not playing at the highest level. So I, I think, you know, sometimes we just have to take a step back, understand where we are. And if we stick together and, and, and we back in, Ange, I mean, again, people keep talking about this and that. 
he's done an unbelievable job in as the national manager you know who, who expected us to win asia and i think sometimes that can be a bit of a hindrance because now that's that's where the expectation level will go because we've won the asian cup and Dino, the more we play at that level, the better we'll get. I mean, just use young Alex Gerbash as an example. He's been shown off to the world. I mean, everybody watches the Confederations Cup all through Europe. Yeah. He plays it currently playing in a fringe European competition, um, and he's not really getting a regular game. So all of a sudden, he's in the shop window. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if he pops up somewhere significant just off the back of that performance. No, look, and that's. I mean, it's it's a showcase, isn't it? Um, and I think that's what's happened to a lot of Australian players when they go into major tournaments or a tournament if they do well they're going to go and kick on their their own personal career all we want and this is all we're asking for is whatever move you make going overseas leaving the a-league whatever you decide to do make sure in your own mind that you think you're going to be playing regularly i know no one can guarantee it mm. but don't go on this wild goose chase and then find yourself in the stands week in week out yeah. and then coming back to australia just do the due diligence and this is where their management teams have to come in and they have to really understand and talk to the manager and their groups of is he realistically going to play and because and, and, if they're not it's a wasted journey I mean they might earn some coin but certainly at the end of the day it's not going to help your career so okay let's have a look at the sorry Rob uh, to interrupt there um, but the Confederations Cup Group A and Group B obviously Australia's in Group B let's look at Group A first of all leading to the final group games which are happening over the weekend they are yeah Mexico um, and Portugal head it don't they uh, yeah. on four points so really tight there goal difference is the same uh, but the goal scored gives them the advantage for Mexico Russia on three points and New Zealand a um, little bit stiff I thought I yeah. watched that game and uh, it was an exciting game wasn't it Chris was good he's <laughs> like he's, he's a handful and then the fight as well yeah. the brawl I mean Mexican yeah. coach gave an absolute cracking spray to the New Zealand bench it was like, you don't deserve to be in this platform, boys. And uh, there was, uh, yeah, it was unsavory language mixed up in it all. And if you get a chance... <laughs> well, if there's anything we know about our Kiwi brothers, mate, they are not going to back down. They'll, uh, no, no, they'll... the Mexican boys didn't like that. And they uh, they were chipping away uh, well and surely. They but, were. But well done to New Zealand. Um, well, I think the games are who's interesting gonna go now. Through? Well, yeah. it, look, it's Portugal playing uh, New Zealand... And obviously Mexico playing Russia, so so that's the do it or game. If Russia can uh, roll Mexico, uh, or even get it, uh, if if they get a draw, yeah. The, I mean, but there's massive pressure on Russia on oh, this one, isn't it? I mean, going imagine they don't even get out of their group. Again, admittedly, you know, you, you you're getting out of a group with Mexico and Portugal in it, but there'll be uh, a lot of disappointment going into the World Cup next year if they don't uh, uh, get through to the semi. There will be disappointment, but I mean, the expectations they didn't do really well in Euros, and they're ranked um, about they're ranked about 20 places below the Socceroos right now. Yeah, somewhere in the and, and a new manager in there as well, mm, so he's mm. going to take time settling in. So look, it'd be good for them especially for mm. them holding that World Cup, for them to get to the next stage. And then if they bow out, well, so be it. But it'd be good to look, just go through that and get a little bit of belief. It is. I mean, we should reflect on the, the responsibility country. of a home country because they don't have a normal qualification pathway because obviously mm. they get a gig because they're the host nation. So they, they don't have a normal... I mean, you look at South Africa in 2010 and... Well, the only team ever not to go through to the... The knockout stages. That's right. Yeah. So, so, but they have a a, a unique um, preparation because they don't play a lot of competitive games. Well, that's it. It's more friendly, isn't it? It's it exhibition. Is. Games. That's why the Confederation Cup's really important for them. Mm. So you go, you go through like say two years roughly. Just uh, playing friendly. Playing, yeah. playing friendlies. Yeah. You'd actually battle when you get to the battle-hardened competition. You're going well. We don't know what to do here. Yeah. You know, we haven't played a competitive game that's meaningful. So, so can yeah. Russia look? Can Russia? 
uh, beat Mexico. I actually think they can. I think they can. Yeah, yeah no, I think I think New Zealand put a, a good performance, and I think obviously Russia are better than New Zealand. Mm. So there's no reason if they show up and with a ho- hopefully a full house and the crowd. You'd like to see them go through, actually. Yeah, yeah, I'd like to see them go through, and I think it'd be a good tonic for the tournament for, the for next World year. Yeah. Our group, our group, Chile four points, Germany four points, Australia and Cameroon one point. So we we just have to beat Chile and hope for the best. Yeah, easy, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we're we're ahead of rank. Cameroon on goal difference. So that so that if if the two upsets occur, if if we happen to beat Chile and Cameroon beat Germany, you wouldn't think either is going to be a large margin. Then we do go through, don't we? Because uh, uh, we'll we'll end up on four points. That's correct. Uh, Chile will end up remaining on uh, on four, but the likelihood is our goal difference would be better. So. That's my calculation. Well, no. Yeah, well, Chile's got a goal difference. What I'm saying is, us beating if, Chile would, would what, on my theory, improve our goal for difference yes. over them, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, no, no, because we'll go yeah. to zero and they'll go to plus one, so they'll still yeah, do if, us. We've got to win by two. That's right. We've got to win by two. Win by two Chile. and we turn it right. around. So, easy. That's all we've got to do. Easy. <laughs> Just got to win two now. They're only the fourth ranked <laughs> team in the world. Stockpiled full of superstars. No B team there with Chile, Rob. No, no. Well, look, we just need a respectable result. That's what we, we're, uh, we're hoping for, really, isn't it? Now, just on the back of um, England's success in the under-20s, we're not going to do too much on this, but just to, just to highlight over overnight as well, England um, in their under-21 Euros have got to the semi-final. Mm. Uh, 3-0 win overnight. And uh, and that's a really really big tonic for yeah. uh, for English football as we speak, um, yeah. and it puts them, you know, qualified now yeah. as the, yeah. as the, as a leader. So how it works is there's three groups, three champions or the leaders go yeah. through and the best runner up. So yeah. England are through, and then uh, leading the other groups is Spain and Portugal in Group B, and Germany and Czechoslovakia, uh, Czech Republic, sorry, in Group uh, C. England qualified and Slovakia are on six points, so that's not bad for a, maybe a second place that they might slip through as well. So. Okay, now give us a couple of little bits of gossip because Edge was gutted that Rebel Wilson won her case during the week because it means that organisations like Bauer Media won't be able to publish gossip anymore. So this is one of his last chances to get a few of the, uh, the you know, the, the the tidbits of um, of Wilson. Well, we did, you know, we, I mean, because there's been so much news, uh, Edge's uh, gossip columns really disappeared. So I thought yeah, it's it about time we brought it back in the off season. It's, back. It's, it's good. Well, I think the first, the head story most probably is Diego Costa. Uh, defying Antonio uh, Conte and refusing to leave Stamford Bridge unless he can go to his former club, Atletico Madrid. That's extraordinary, isn't it? Imagine that. Then again, though, and again, if it's true, if you get text, and I, there's obviously been a big fallout here, you know, to text someone. I mean, you just don't text a player and tell him he's, he's no longer wanted. You, you speak to him, don't you? No, no, we, we speculated on that a couple of weeks, weeks ago and we didn't think Conti would have been up for that, but it's proven to be true, hasn't it? Well, it is. So, you know, again, disappointing. Um, anything that's uh, tickling your fancy, Edge? Oh, look, definitely the uh, 22-year-old midfielder, Tomoe Bakayoko from uh, Monaco, or as Mark would say, Monaco, Um 35 million pounds Chelsea reported to uh, be shelling out for him. What do you think about that? It's interesting. Isn't it? It's it's a big, it's it's a, a big huge amount of money it's a for big, a 22-year-old. Well, it is, but I mean that hasn't the game gone crazy with the amount of money that's you know 
going out of, well not out of the game in the game and the transfer mm. market now compared to the old days do you know I'm looking at this list of gossip mate and I just think it uh, it's got too too much uh, or too many tasty bits in it to, to leave it alone here let's just wrap this up stick around and we're going to devote the rest of stoppage time to the gossip column uh, and get through some of these these meaty bits because, sounds like uh, a plum John yeah. Terry joining Millie Edenak at Aston Villa yeah stick around stoppage time and next more. more gossip next on Box to Box Box to Box can you believe it for Chemist Warehouse home of real brands and real savings and Storage King they're just around the corner and this could be the most crucial goal welcome of welcome back to Box to Box the fourth official signals there are seven minutes left no Mark Van Aken this evening Dean Hennessy is in the house. We were talking about gossip when we wrapped up your international news segment, Dino. Uh, what's Why would Steve Bruce story? want to sign John Terry? Um, at, experience. At three million years of age like he is. Um, experience. Uh, it's a tough league. He's physically built for that as well. I mean, he uh, he went to he went to that in the first place when he was um, a young lad at Forest. So... He knows a little bit about that standard, but again, it's it's sixty thousand pound a week. <laughs> it's, a, it's sixty thousand pounds worth of reasons he might consider it. Not bad petrol money. But I think look, I think I think there's a few suitors there, and and uh, he most probably feels he's still got a bit to give. So um, you know that that'll always be judged once he arrives and starts playing. Mm, Bayern Munich and Poland superstar Robert Lewandowski. We saw his uh, fine work in the Euros. Yeah. Um, Bayern Munich has said, hands off. Uh, FIFA rules say you can't talk to him. All suitors, don't ring him. Well, that's fair enough. I mean, that's that's a little bit like the, the Van Jilk one from Southampton where Liverpool, you know, would obviously discuss something and then had to withdraw. And he's still on the table for someone to have. Um, and I think Chelsea now are even considering him. So, look, there, there, there are rules. And, and as we all know, the rules can be broken. And uh, clubs will try to do what they need to do to get... The, the the targets that uh, the manager wants, and sometimes they don't do it ethically. But again, uh, if you get caught, uh, there is ramifications. Now, Alexandro, who that's uh, a great name, isn't it? His parents must have been thinking Alessandro, Alexandro. He's um, possibly been, Rob. Uh, got to yeah. buy Chelsea. I just, you know, I'm just interested in that. I mean, you clearly aren't. Edge. Um, <laughs> uh, Chelsea will have to ask to leave Juventus before they accept any offer from the Premier League champions. The Blues have linked with a £45 million move for the 26-year-old fullback. We saw him at the MCG. We did see him at the yeah, MCG. Yeah, he's good. Look, he's, he's, uh, he's just revitalised, isn't he? It's unbelievable. And, and look, he scored some real key goals to get Juventus to the Champions League final. Uh, some of them were worldies. Uh, so, yeah, look, it would be interesting if he does uh, come to the, to the Premiership. And what about your mate, the bus driver, Edge? Um, being kept in form about Pepe Reina's ongoing contract situation at Napoli in the hope that the 34-year-old former Liverpool keeper could end up moving to St James's Park. Well, Rafa Benitez, who I like to... Rafa the gaffer. ...like to call the bus driver, he'll need to be active this year, won't he? He'll need to actually uh, open up the checkbook. And he has been promised a fair uh, war chest by the owners, hasn't he? Yeah, I think, uh, I think the full budget of whatever it was... Uh, whatever, whatever they got for whatever promotion, the promotion was going to be, that's going to be your yeah. kitty. So, yeah. 
Yeah, look, it's uh, he will. I mean, the, the, the gap, and we only we only have to look at the teams that came up, like Middlesbrough came up and went back down. You know, mm. it's 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 a tough gig. So you've got to really get yourself resourced in depth with squad and and a little bit of quality. Um, but the one thing Newcastle will have is that they've got, if not the best support in the country, they are fanatical mm. up there, and the noise at St James's Park. I mean, that's like having a, an extra player. So I think if they can get some really good targets and uh, keep the good players that they've got. That that, that did really well this year to get them promoted um, hopefully things will be bright for them and what about uh, former Liverpool striker John Aldridge he's told uh, the Southampton defender Virgil van Dijk gotta love that name Virgil van Dijk he's told him in order to get to the Reds you should strike I mean poor form that really yeah no, contract's I, not a contract yeah look I, I'm the same you, you, you sign a contract you honour it and you hope as well the other party that's employed you uh, fulfil their obligation and we see this in a lot in a lot of sports and football is you know is poor at this at times the only reason i put that on the table is i love the name virgil van dyke and he's a good center half he's, he's, he, he can play he, and he's a unit as well he's got a great presence so he was captain of southampton um actually just talking about the premier league it's interesting here that frank de boer uh and maybe the new Crystal Palace manager. Yeah, so, it's uh, interesting, man. There's a bit of... Uh, that is hot off the press, well and truly, Dino. It is a little bit of a job that doesn't really last too long, isn't it? When you look back, I mean, Pardew had it for quite a while, but now they're just, you know, obviously Big Sam's been and gone. Yeah. Now now we get Frank De Boer. I mean, it, it's going to be really important that they do they do get... I mean, Obviously, I mean, Big Sam didn't like South London. Um, Didn't like the traffic on the way to training, mate. Maybe not, but you know, the the last time we spoke about uh, about Big Sam was that it's retirement and it's spending quality time with his family. So. But he'll you wait until someone else pop, gets in relegation sure, trouble. I'm sure he'll, he'll be there. Up. He will. He'll be there for his three hundred thousand pounds. Yep. One yep. of the rising stars of international football, um, Kylian Mbappe, Monaco's oh, yeah, uh, he's star, good um, Real Madrid president Florentino Perez says he will go on to become one of the greatest players in the world world and revealed Los Blancos uh, following the young Monaco striker. That'd be a shock result that they're following him. Uh, just about every team in the world is uh, following and football him. Well, PSG, you've, you've heard of the, because we've got the updated gossip just coming to yeah. hand now, Thank is uh, um, that Monaco are going to offer £119 million for the 18-year-old. So uh, PSG, I mean, they've got money, we know that, but uh, that's a big number. Um, in, a, in an environment like that we live in, where uh, in Australia there's a lot of pressure on, a lot of commercial pressure on, on media organisations. We see journalists losing their jobs left, right, and centre. We do. I must admit, I did think of uh, some Australian journalists. Maybe they should migrate to Manchester because there's obviously jobs going. Because one journalist in the Manchester Evening News has had so much time on the hand that they reported that the Manchester City forward Gabriel Jesus. Had hey, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus to other people. Um, One, that was his name, but two, they've reported that he's uh, paid tribute to his mother by having her face tattooed on his arm. Now, is that news? (laughs) It's certainly not worth it. Must have been a slow day. It it can't be worth uh, Edge's gossip column. Uh, I wouldn't be talking about it. Well, Edge's put it in Edge's gossip (laughs) column. I wanted to make a point that if you're losing your job in the uh, journalism game in Australia, just get get across there because there's obviously jobs going for everybody. And what a good note that is to end the show because when we resort to referring to stories like that, we have run out of time. That is all for this week on Box to Box. Join us next week when we go from one end of the pitch to the other. We're going to find out what happened to the Socceroos 
lose at the Confederations Cup. That's all next week on the show where we cover the world game from end to end.